This episode is brought to you by Succession on HBO. The first season of Succession was hailed by critics as the best show on television, irresistible entertainment, and a must-watch show. For your Emmy consideration, an outstanding drama series, and all other categories. Visit hbo.com FYC for more on Succession. Renegade Nonconformist Boundary Pusher. Words cannot describe Danish filmmaker Nicholas Winding Refn, who has redefined film noir, horror, and suspense with such films as Neon Demon, Only God Forgives, and Drive, all of which played Cannes, the latter earning him Best Director at the festival. He's back on the Quasette with a new Amazon TV series, Too Old to Die Young, which returns him back to his City of Angels haunt. We're recording this live at Cannes with Nicholas Winding Refn. And we also have a special guest with us today, the star of Too Old to Die Young, Miles Teller, and a very special crew call. You've been, you've been in the L.A. noir world for a while, uh, between Drive and, um, and Neon Demon, and even though, and even though the, um, Ryan's other film <coughs> took, place, took place over in Asia, there's a similar vibe of the lone of the lone gunman. Tell me about expound, expanding this universe with, with um, Too Old to Die Young and staying within, staying within this realm. I love drive. Drive is a religion. If you love drive, you're going to love this. But, but tell me about exploring this, this, this L.A. underbelly more. Well, it's <clears throat> so much exploring the underbelly it's more about um i love los angeles like personally i love shooting there and it's one of the few places that my family likes to live in if we don't live back home in copenhagen so that's basically the law of the land so if the family likes it that's a huge part of the job and then i have to find a way to be creative in it but we all like la a lot and for Tool to Die Young, it's more like everything else I do. You know, I just make things that intrigues me. I don't, I don't have an agenda. I'm not running for office. I'm not here to ask for your vote. All I can do is create. I'm like, it's like a channeling. I channel what comes through me outwards. And... Um, hand it over it's like you know turning water into wine now um tell me uh these are some really evil people and when when they die it's so justified but there's a, there's you really feel a reality that the, that this that these types of folks exist the pornographer the rapists in can Tell me a little bit about that. You know, in in doing res, you know, have you done cop drive arounds in the city? Have have you seen these types of people? Um, have you heard about? You know, I mean, it's just they're not they're not cartoons to me in any way. Um, it's like really, really evil, like really real evil stuff. Well, it's I'm not a documentarian, so I don't I don't really go that approach. I just kind of close my eyes and I fetishize about what the human soul uh, 
um, gets pleasure in. And like everyone around this room, we all like perversion deep down. It's part of creativity, it's the perversity and the uh, tiltillation of that. It's in the imagination. And what art can do is that you can live out your desires in a, in a way that becomes inspiration to the mind and changes your maybe view of the world. And so the way that it just works is that, you know, like Shakespeare, the, the darker the villain, the greater the drama. And then, you know, your job is to, to come up with a kind of narrative that is purely liquid. It's purely based on emotions, you know. And emotions are far more complex when they're not answered, but they're just presented. Because then it's up to you to either immerse yourself in it and, and be impregnated by it, or the opposite, you know, destroy it or, 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 or push it away. But no matter what, in both situations, it now travels with you for the rest of your life. Tell me about how the two of you met. You're fierce in this. Mm -hmm. You're just, you're great. You. And um, tell me about how you met and then just finding, finding the character, where you went, mm -hmm. the process. Um, yeah, so my agent had sent me episode one um, and said, you know, Nick has this, this, this series, this movie, this, you know, whatever you want to call it. And so I met Nick at his house and we just sat and sat across from each other and talked for uh, a while. And he would ask me something, I would answer, and then he would just stare at me. Uh, and so there were a lot of a lot of silences, um, which, you know, <laughs> after working with Nick, I realized that would be <laughs> that that would be a, a needed much needed skill set. Um, but yeah, so we we just kind of sat and talked for a while. Um, but I, even if they never had sent me, you know, the episode one, um, they said, "Do you want to do this this thing with Nick? It's going to be seven months for me. Um, you know, really no breaks, and you're you know you're shooting the entire time." And I said, "Absolutely," because I am such a fan of Nick's work. Elvis, tell me, wait, wait, were you looking for Elvis, or he just walked in the room? Well, in a strange, he just walked into the room, and um, when we met, and we were looking at each other, and you know we were getting we'd never met. So, what's great about silence is that that's where the soul reveals itself, and um, the experimentation of observation in silence you can kind of see what's really within. And all the time I was just thinking when I was talking to Miles, he looks like Elvis Presley, identical. And I thought, if I could make a movie, and I'm, I'm you know, very self-absorbed. I'm, you know, I'm, you know, um, I believe you have to be self-indulgent 
and an egomaniac and narcissist to create because you are exposing yourself. You know, it's like taking your clothes off in public and 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 just presenting it. So all these ingredients are needed. They're actually a virtue. It's like cocaine. But sitting in front of Elvis, I was like, I'm not an American. And I'm from Denmark, you know. But if I can go to America and make what ended up being a 13-hour movie with Elvis Presley. That is the ultimate American dream. And because I wanted to make a show about my, my sensibility about America, and I reacted to America in a very interesting way that I hadn't done in my previous movies, that became the odyssey that we were going to go on. And because I shoot in chronologically order, it was like everything was liquid. You know, and 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 I wasn't interested in TV or you know episodic television. I mean, I mean, I, my kids don't watch that stuff. Why should I make something that they don't want to watch? Last night was the first time my 15-year-old daughter saw anything I'd ever done. Thank God she liked that. But but the whole idea was to say that. Streaming is this new canvas that's really all around us and that's what we need to indulge in because we can make things that their time is no longer in control. It's like the internet is all around. It's like a, 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 a flow of energy that we just tap into with our fingers like you have right there, you have right there. And we can then experience and we can go out and we can go back. So. Time is no longer an essence. I'm no longer bound by time. I'm timeless. And because it is automatically in global distribution, whether people like it or not is no longer the philosophy because as much as something is loved, it will also be hated and vice versa. That's what creativity is all about. If you don't create polarization, then you have not touched the soul. And we live in a culture where we desire, you know, satisfaction. But a satisfaction also can become dangerous because we turn away from pain, and pain is part of life. Rather, we should use creativity as a, as a um, surgical knife into ourselves. And all those opportunities suddenly came with the act of streaming because it could become endless. I had no time restrictions on what I was doing. And so I just ended up doing it 13 hours and then I would go in and chop it up in different pieces like a book where you kind of feel from a narrative point of view you needed a pause. Because I didn't want it to be, you know, like, you know, bins watching I think is what people ought to talk about. But bins watching is like eating a lot of popcorn in a way. You know, I mean, this had to be like going into a tiny restaurant in Tokyo and just see what happens. This episode is brought to you by Succession on HBO. The first season of Succession was hailed by critics as the best show on television, irresistible entertainment, and a must-watch show.
for your Emmy consideration in outstanding drama series and all other categories. Visit hbo.com slash FYC for more on Succession. Now, um, I know it's dropping on, on Amazon Prime on June 14th, but w- were there any plans to take some of this theatrically? Like maybe a couple of cinemas in LA and New York and, and show it in sequences over a series of nights. Was there any, has there, was there ever any discussion of that or might that come to fruition? Because it's so, it's so beautiful on the big screen. I think one of the great things about the team at Amazon is that they're enormously adaptable. And uh, we're in a great situation being here at Cannes because what better place to take your clothes off than at the Cannes Film Festival. Also, you know, streaming is now has impregnated Cannes. And this is the child which means that now can has mutated into the future because the future is streaming. I mean, let's be honest, most n- entertainment will always be viewed through streaming and it will just become more and more like that. Cinemas will always exist because they have to because it's like going to a museum or an event or a concert. It's part of our social abilities. But it's not better or worse, it's just it's a coexistence. It's like we have an alien race that now we live together with. So as of yesterday, which was a very moving experience for me, really moving, from the premiere, anything is possible. There is no law, there is no right or wrong. Uh, during Neon Demon, I remember you were being asked, or you were talking about, you would never, you're an auteur, you would never sell out to Hollywood, you'd never do a big studio film. I know that Amy Pascal was very interested in you after Drive. You, 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 you're such a visionary, would you ever consider, and I'm sure you may have even taken a meeting, I'm assuming, with Marvel or do a Star Wars film and do it your way? Or is that a little too hard in the Hollywood world of conference rooms and everything to straddle, to straddle both your vision and the vision of a, ma- of a, of a major IP, intellectual property. Because you would, I mean, knock it out of the park. Any, anything, and, and you could always go back and do what you want. Well, it's not so much that I don't want to do it. I would love to do something that is as giant as some of these IPs are, and they're fascinating to me. And and I sometimes watch them on planes because it gives me great satisfaction when I fly. And my youngest daughter, we go to the movies once in a while, and, and she likes to see some of them. I even took her to see 2001. She was seven. So I love any kind of creativity, but you see, I, I always felt the result is really not as interesting as the process, because the process is where you live. It's the process where you breathe, it's the process where you still see your family at night when you create during the day or vice versa. And that's really the satisfaction 
the result is more about your ego or your vanity or your paycheck, which is all beautiful, and trust me, I indulge in that. But at the end of the day, true satisfaction in life is being able to do it your way. It was the one and only advice Eli Kassan ever gave to me when I was 24 when I met him. I remember asking him, what would you, what would you say to a young filmmaker that just made my first movie? And he goes, my advice to you is do it your way. I was like, that's it? That's the holy grail? But ever since then, I always remember that line, that, that command. Because that is truly where you, you become euphoric, that you created this the way you wanted to do it. And uh, I very much like doing advertising, which is exactly like doing a big IP movie. I enjoy the process and the people. But it always becomes, in the end of the day, you're going to spend so much of your life doing something. And if it's not fun, I mean truly fun and satisfying and creative, and that's why I shoot in chronological order, to experience every second as it was the last second of my life. If that doesn't become part of it, it's an enormous amount of time to compromise, to end up like everything that's a product, which is just dead space, even my own material. So the answer is always, I would love to do a huge IP. I love Hollywood. I love the mythology of Hollywood. I have many friends in that, you know, indulge in that world that I admire, have enormously respect for them. But I still deep down believe that the purity of creativity is having the control to do it your way. And it's not about giving up, it's just about where does your heart truly flow? And, you know, I always say, all they have to do is call me, I'll do it, but let's do it my way. I'm going to give you the last question. Mm -hmm. um, what, what makes your guy tick? And also, I know this is probably for Nick, the motif of shooting people in the head. Mm -hmm. uh, could you talk about that? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's for people to kind of make their own assessment on Martin. I think Martin is a very complex character, and I think, uh, actually, I don't know by, at the end of it, if you really will ever fully understand, um, you know, why it is he, he does what he does. He's on a, you know, it's his odyssey, it's, it's self-discovery for, for him, and what was the... The, the, uh, um... What makes him tick, uh -huh. and then the motif of shooting, uh, shooting would, people in the head and spitting. Well, I would, yeah. Uh, well, the spitting, yeah, that was just, I think, because I grew up playing baseball. I think one of the first times I met Nick, we were driving around in the car, and I spit out the window. And he was like, oh. he goes, do that again. <laughs> I like spit. He's like, I love it. So that's kind of how that <laughs> came about. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I could tell you that I would come home from work and, Kelly, my fiance, would say, what did you do today? <laughs> say, oh, well, I, I killed this person <laughs> this way. <laughs> I, um, 
uh, I did this, this, and this. Um, some spitting. <laughs> some, some spitting and some spitting and some killing. Great, 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 great.